Welcome to Soul by the Pound podcast. This podcast is a safe space designed to inspire and empower women of color to take personal responsibility in their health and mental wellness. So ladies, sit back and enjoy. This is our space. Welcome everybody to Soul by the Pound podcast. I am so excited for this guest for episode number four. Okay, we moving on up on Soul by the Pound podcast. So I have one of the most amazing human beings, and I say this because you have like the most genuine heart and spirit. Couldn't imagine you doing any other type of work than you do. So without further ado, today's guest is Lauren Michelle Jackson. Hey, Lauren. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to have you. And this is not your first go around with like delivering some gems with Soul by the Power. I know we did like a chat a couple years back. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Um, let me run off your magnificent uh, bio for the people. Okay. So Lauren Michelle Jackson is an LCPC. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. LCPC. LCPC, CDVP, and a life coach. And she is the founder and owner of Cultivate Your Essence. Under this title, Lauren provides individual and family therapy services to victims and their children. She leads women empowerment groups, runs a teen and adult dating violence seminars and workshops. She also taught domestic violence educational courses and conducted outreach presentations on the importance of domestic violence awareness. Within the therapeutic relationship, Lauren believes therapy should be collaborative process. However, just like with most things in life, one gets out of therapy what they are willing to put in, preach. (laughs) Um, It is her aim to provide supportive and objective environment for clients to explore, become educated, and create the change that they see. Lauren has the ability to relate to others and find common ground, which is a driving force behind your success as a licensed clinical professional counselor, life coach, speaker, and domestic violence advocate. Um, Lauren has been in the helping profession for seven years. Her passion for... I know. 11 now. (laughs) It's 11 now? Oh my gosh. Okay. So 11 years... And your passion for serving women began as a clinician working for one of Chicago's top social service agencies, uh, Metropolitan Family Services, as a domestic violence therapist and community educator. I'm just so happy to have you here. Um, It says that you also live by the motto to whom much is given, much is required, which is why giving back to your community and helping others live their absolute best lives is top priority when it comes to your personal journey. And simply living an ordinary life won't do. So I am so happy to have you here. Am I missing anything? I feel like there's so many accolades. Um, Did I skip anything? Um, Well, shoot, the practice. That's the yeah, I mentioned a founder and owner of Cultivate Your Essence, but please tell them about this practice. I think it's amazing. You know what? Um, it you know what? It was it was a blessing that I just kind of happened to stumble into. But um, Cultivate Your Essence is my baby. We are Black women owned. We are Black women run. So everybody from all my clinical staff, from my therapist to my administrative staff to even the behind the scenes, everything is 
ran and operated by black women. All right. And okay. So, okay. Yes. So, and that's a big deal, especially mm-hmm. in mental health, because, you know, one of the things that we often say is that there's not, clients may not always find themselves represented in these spaces, right? Mm-hmm. So going to try and to find a therapist that can you can actually relate to and they can relate to you and your experience is huge. And it, mm-hmm. it helps to break the stigma around mental health. So for us, Black women are always in demand when it comes to just the helping profession. And the fact that, you know, we live by that at Cultivate Your Essence and it's displayed in our representation, it just means everything to me. Definitely. I mean, when you look at your website, which I'll include when I post this podcast, but just looking at the website, it makes you just feel so great as a Black woman because representation is so important. Like, We talked about this on a previous episode where I interviewed a physician and just the power of that, us seeing people who look like us, not only makes it a lot easier for us to have these conversations, but it definitely adds some familiarity where you know that this person understands where you're coming from. So, so sometimes you don't want to have to, and this is no shade to other um, clinicians out there, but sometimes you know, especially being black in America, you don't want to have to retell that story to somebody who doesn't get it, especially in a space where you're coming to relieve yourself of your emotions, not having to re-explain yourself, because that can be um, counterintuitive and counterproductive because that could be another form of trauma for somebody else. So, you know, absolutely, absolutely. our representation, it, it not only matters, it's necessary. So true. I, I like wish you could see me through the computer I'm like literally nodding as we say this and just particularly the part where you say it like retelling a story because having to break down our story on top of what you need assist like you know the actual story it Mm -hmm. is very draining so I didn't even think of that aspect but it's so true you know I um was talking to someone about like just professional like corporate America as a black woman and the person I was talking to, like, re- they had no clue about it, right? But the versus me telling a woman who's not only worked it, but a woman of color, I didn't have to say certain things why it made me uncomfortable mm-hmm. or why is that important because they just naturally understood because they're going through the same journey. So that is yeah. so cool. Let me ask you this first question, though, because, okay, you said operated in owned by black like owned by you a black woman tell me like what made you like really started like what gave you the idea like how'd you get started well well china you even know this i started with a completely different brand yeah (laughs) (laughs) and you know what i i love my first brand that was my baby Um, (laughs) but (laughs) i wasn't making no money off that brand (laughs) and in all honesty, what I didn't realize was that God was really setting me up for me to open up my own practice. Mm. Um, you know, I, to be completely transparent, I went to school to be a journalist. I went back to school to get my counseling degree because I needed something to be excited about when I woke up in the morning. I graduated during that whole um, 2008 recession. So okay. literally God walked my path to counseling. This was never a part of my, my plan, at least not this quickly. So when the opportunity presented itself, I ran from it a few mm-hmm. times. Um, cause I was just scared. Don't we I, do that though. Don't yeah. we do that when we're scared. 
said, like, yeah, uh-uh. oh my God. Like, God didn't really give us the vision. Like, we, like, literally. Right. Well, the funny thing was, I would always say is, well, I want these women empowerment centers and I want to do X, Y, and Z, not ever realizing that that could be my practice, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So I was working. Now, mind you, I have stellar work history. I did not start getting fired until I started trying to work at other people's practices. I was like, are you serious? You are firing me Listen, for the dumbest things. Please don't make me throw this computer tonight <laughs> because I didn't realize how many times when I was operating out of purpose and what God told me to do, how many uncomfortable job situations. I yep. mean, write-ups. I mean, stress. Yep. I fire too. <laughs> Hello. Girl. Like, I can't tell you how many times I tried to fit in a place that I was not supposed to be in yep. and doing work I was not supposed to do. So yes. Okay. Oh, so yeah. you, you was like, okay, you on this journey. You I'm on it. And, and you know okay. what the funny thing was, it was the year of me and you got inducted into 40 under 40. Oh, God okay. told me, um, it was 2016. Um, God told me to leave my job. As a matter of fact, he told me, because I just started a new job, and he was like, you're going to be at this job less than a year, mm. and you're going to leave. Mm-hmm. I was like, and leave and do what? They're paying off my student loans. Why would I leave? He made that job so uncomfortable. I said, you know what? Get me out this job now if you can. I walked out. I remember I gave them my notice. They didn't accept my notice. So I was like, well, you, I'm not showing up to work with you. <laughs> I ain't going to not accept your notice. Right. Girl, I was like, oh, okay, well, this is my notice. I'm out. Thankfully, you know, I had money and things of that nature saved and things saved up. But like in the matter of that time period, every time I would try to do something else, God would redirect me. And so I ended up eventually after I got fired and then eventually sued for a long story short, I can't even go into it, but kept me from that whole situation. And I opened up my practice and honestly, since I've been in my practice, there's been things that, you know, that are thrown at you as an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. but I can honestly say God has kept me. He has provided. I've never missed a payroll with my staff. My bills have been paid. all bills, car note and the rent, even rent during this whole pandemic from office spaces that I could not even use. That still got paid. So, you know, one thing I will say is that when you are operating in in God's aligned purpose for you, he does make things work out that typically would take somebody else under. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So this, this, this walk of faith is legit. God held my hand and drug me along the way in certain parts. So now when it gets to the point where God tells me to do something, I'll be like, you know what? I'm not even about to go back and forth with you. I'll just go ahead, follow suit, ask questions later, because I already know if you're telling me to do it, I just need to do it. You know, that is so true. I feel like obedience, right, requires Mm -hmm. a tremendous amount of faith. Because we can all be like, God is good all the time. Like, but until you actually like are obedient, you know, like literally listening to what you're supposed to do from God, like... It takes a lot of faith because speaking, like when we talked about like jobs, um, I mentioned this on another episode, how earlier this year, you know, I've been in New York for almost four years. I know. I feel like I've seen you, but I feel like I see you because we always engage in I know. 
And funny thing, well, I'm so happy too that you work um, in therapy. It was one time when I was out here and you checked on me. I don't know if you remember this and you texted me and you were like, is everything okay? And then I don't know if you remember that. And I was like, and you're like, we're going to keep doing these check-ins. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. That is so essential uh, to probably what mm-hmm. we're going to talk about in a little bit, but I came home earlier this year when COVID hit and I actually did a reset and the things I, I, I could not sleep for two weeks and I kept praying about it. And God was like, remove yourself from that job. And I kept saying, no, 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 mm. I don't have this set. Okay. I have money saved, but I need the, you know, we were literally trying mm-hmm. to negotiate with God. Right. And so mm-hmm. I was literally trying to like talk myself out. Of, and then I remember I just resigned and I know my dad probably had smoke coming out of his ears. like, <laughs> But I'm like, you can't tell me to trust in God and leave stuff Thank alone. You. And then like be yep. not, you know, question what he's putting me to next. So, yeah. Oh, girl. This girl, is my mom didn't speak to me after I left my job. <laughs> oh, she did not speak to me for a week. Oh, she did not. She was like, I just don't think God would have you to leave this <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, mom, God didn't speak to you. Right. Baby. The funny thing about him, he's not doing conference calls with you Thank about you. my about my goal. My goal. Ma'am. I was like, ma'am, now it's funny <laughs> because now she just she reaps the benefits of, of my success. But it's just so funny when I look back there. Because you know what? Other people, what I realize is that they wish you well, but they project their fears mm-hmm. onto you. Mm-hmm. And especially as our parents, they're like, I, there's only so much I can do. You can't force me to do anything. You can't, you can't, you, you, you're done raising me at this point. Mm-hmm. Now you're in a supportive role. And I think a lot of parents, they try to keep their kids, even when they're grown, in this box that they can make sense out of. So when you step oh, out of bro. it and you're doing things completely different. It's like they can accept that that can happen to other people, but not you. That's and it's so not even true. intentional. It's just the, their fears mm-hmm. of, of what if it doesn't work out? Mm-hmm. And can I really be there to support you? So, you know, I, I in the long run, I get it. But then at the same time, you know, we're called to be different. And you, you got to be okay with going against the fray on that one, especially even if it's your parents. That's that is so man. true. <laughs> the whole truth, especially when it's your parents, especially when you're close to your parents too and you value yeah. their opinion, it can be very intimidating trying to do your own thing. Even me moving here, I know my family's like, we're all, we all live in the same place. Like, why are you going all the way over there? New York is a city you visit, not live. But if it's right. something like, you know, like you just have to, I would not, we would not live a beneficial life for ourselves or for them if we literally live, you know, mm-hmm. for them, exactly for mm-hmm. them. So, this is all good stuff. Let, let me say this though too. What I find so powerful, and I actually want to lead it up to our next question, is how you talk a lot about spirituality and your relationship with God. And I remember I had um, someone I'm really close with was in therapy probably about five or six years ago. And I remember when the therapist called the family, and this was a white therapist, and they were like, you know, um, he keeps mentioning the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking like, it can't connect with someone who is not with a similar background. You get what I'm saying? Like similar mm-hmm. background, yeah. similar upbringing. So it looked like this person just was probably a part of, a, a, like probably far away from sanity, 
but this person is really just like they this person is expressing yes and they're expressing themselves spiritually so what is something that you wanted to and it could be very intimidating it was very intimidating for him because and i said i was going to turn my phone off before we started sorry you um it was very intimidating for him because he over and over again was like questioning himself and his beliefs because it didn't make sense to them so i want to ask you this question um, what is it about, what is it something that you want to communicate to people of color? So when it comes to speaking with a professional, like a therapist, a counselor, a life coach, so it won't be so intimidating. Well, one thing I will say as a therapist, it's not, first of all, I'm still trying to understand why he called their family members. Yeah. Um, that, that technically, unless they have. Anyway, that could have broke some HIPAA stuff. So, of course, that's where my brain kind of goes. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Um, but one thing I will say is that when you are are seeking out a therapist, you want to interview them in the matter of getting to know what is their style, what is their relationship with God, you know, those mm-hmm. different things just to get to know. Like, you want to get to know the people you're going to be sharing your heart with. Because one of the biggest things is the relatability category is everything. Mm-hmm. So even if it's more so, you know, I want a, a therapist who's specifically a Christian therapist. There's those out there. Make sure they're Christian with a clinical background and not just a spiritual um, teacher from a church that's coming from their own, um, you know, spiritual background. Can you say that um, one more time and say it loud for the people? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? I always make this analogy. If my car is broken, I'm not taking that to my pastor to go get it fixed. Right, right, right. So there can be a lot of Christians who are actually clinically trained to be therapists. And then there's also pastors who are clinically trained to be therapists as well. But when you are going to see a spiritual teacher, they're only limited to be able to give you things from a spiritual and their personal context. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. with that being the case, you really want to be mindful on the type of support you actually need and will um, your pastor or uh, those in the clergy will actually be able to give you those. Mm -hmm. those. Now, one thing I will say is just because um, a therapist may not share the same spiritual aspects with you doesn't mean they cannot be effective. So with that being the case, me as a therapist, um, especially if I'm unfamiliar with my client's religion, I'll ask them, you know, can you explain that a little bit more to me so I can um, fully understand? And then I might do some more research on my own so that I can be better prepared to understand, um, you know, where my client may be coming from. Now, every therapist is not going to hit it out the park. Sometimes it does take time to build up that rapport with one another, because after a while, if I'm working with a client and I know their spirituality means a lot to to them. I'm going to have to, um, I would take some mental cues and saying when they're talking about the Holy spirit or things of that nature, they're not going to be schizophrenic. They're naturally tapping into whatever their spiritual grounding really is. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, therapists are human and sometimes we're not always the best fit for everybody. But that's what it takes due diligence on you. Do you feel comfortable sharing and and noticing what is the vibe and how the therapist is responding to you when you're sharing those different um, aspects of your life? So I always say try out a few therapists before you settle in on one. You said Um, that's so true. You said two powerful things. 
to try multiple ones. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause that, I think that's so, and the, and the part that you mentioned about therapists being human. Cause I think people who are weary into starting therapy, number one, they have this like Jesus complex where this person is supposed to solve everything in one session and forget that this person is human. And then two, you do have to try just like any other relationship. You will have to see if you guys mesh well, you know? Definitely, because I think what people forget is that after a while, and and sometimes you can have this where sometimes you're down the line in the relationship with your therapist, and you might have to be like, okay, wait a minute, you're getting a little too comfortable. Mm -hmm. You don't know, you you Mm -hmm. only know what I'm sharing with you, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when it comes down to that, you can always kind of recognize this. You are the expert of your own life. So you know what works for you and you know what doesn't. Sometimes it's just a matter of going through the motions of getting to know your therapist to see if it's truly a good fit or could you be projecting some things that's causing a blockage. A lot of times, you know, and I hate to say use the term a good therapist, but Mm -hmm. a healthy relationship with a therapist, you'll be able to talk about these things if they come up and you don't feel comfortable because that way the, the therapist can actually help you in that as well. We're not here to fix anything. We're here to help you explore and to connect the dots and to help you give you new coping tools to be able to deal with everyday life. But we're not here to fix. That's on you. Mm. Frank, you're so smart. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess like in all two things, partly because we had a friendship before this interview, but in two, I do, I guess this is just some things we don't think about in therapy. You the people who sometimes get committed are like, all right, this person's gonna fix me. Like, no, I'm gonna give you the tools. And yes, I think that's so essential. Like, yeah, say that right there. Yeah, because you know what? My biggest thing is we are creatures of habits. We've been doing things for so long, we know how to get by. Sometimes when we're coming into therapy, we're recognizing that the things that we're doing are no longer healthy. So we're looking for someone to help come and give us some type of reflection in a non-biased way. But at the same time, I like to say, I will call you out on your stuff. Like my clients be knowing, oh God, I didn't feel like talking to you today, but I knew I needed to. Fine, because you know we're going to do your work. But at the same time, I'm not specifically telling them, now you need to do A, B, C, D. And by the time you come here, this should be the outcome. That's not even reality. Yeah. That's not reality at all. Yeah. And that, honestly, someone telling you do this, 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 and this, it kind of adds another layer of stress to it versus a person having the tools and independently doing it on their own. So that does make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. What is one thing that you would say like you wish... Now, the original question I said, one one thing you you would have started earlier, but I guess maybe even for clients or those who are going to therapy, what is one thing that people you wish knew earlier before trying like seeking therapy? Um, hmm, That's a good question. Well, I, I think the biggest thing is that with therapy, it's work. Hmm. And so, w- w- <laughs> ooh, okay, that's a loaded question. So with therapy, it's work. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when you leave out, you're going to feel exhausted. Because when you're doing therapy and you're doing it effectively, things are going to start to come out that you thought may never have even had an impact on your everyday life. Wow. But there is a story behind our behaviors. 
right? Mm-hmm. So like, example, I eat my pizza. It's so weird. I take off all the toppings. I eat the toppings first and then I'll eat the actual crust, right? Mm-hmm. But the reason why I started doing that was because I saw my brother do that when I was growing up and I wanted to, to do anything that I thought my brother was cool at. So that was something that I did, but it became a behavior from something I started as a kid to now I do that into adulthood. Now, if we were to flip that into something of like our everyday lives, I find myself in these unhealthy relationships. Now, let's look at that a little bit deeper. What was the relationships that were displayed to you as a kid? Hmm. Well, when I looked at mom and dad, this is how they did things. Okay. What about grandma and grandpa? Well, they did certain things similar too. Okay, now let's look on this side. Where did you get that one from? You are literally seeing how everyday things that you were exposed to have played a role into your everyday perspective. And now it has turned into your behavior. So a part of the thing about when you're starting therapy is recognizing that in the beginning, you are going to be processing so much stuff because now your feelings and your thoughts have room to actually fully be explored because you're ready. And sometimes you might get deep into the relationship um, with your therapist to where certain things are coming out that you didn't even realize had a big as an impact as it did. And you may need to take a break because now it's overwhelming. Yeah. It's okay. You start and you stop, you start and you stop or you start. And it's kind of like, okay, well, wait a minute this is getting a little bit heavy. That's fine. That's where we come in to hold your hand through the process. Wow. But it's work. I always say it's like, I, I say I'm a, I'm an emotional personal trainer. And <laughs> you ready to curse somebody out. You're tired, <laughs> you're exhausted, but you like the results. That is so true. And that's a good way to do it. I actually uh, started therapy probably like two years ago. And seeing a life coach. And it's funny that you said that because I will literally be exhausted afterwards. Like, mm-hmm. and I had night sessions, which was perfect because I don't think I would probably be very productive throughout the day if I had some earlier sessions, but definitely will wipe me out. But it definitely was so necessary. So you, that's so true about the results. Mm-hmm. Woo. She's dropping some gems tonight. Everybody going <laughs> to be ready to sign up after this. Um, so what is something that you want to share with our listeners that they could take away from like next steps? Cause we want to definitely inspire this. So, you know, so by the pound, which you already know a lot about. So by the pound was inspired to, um, empower women of color to take personal responsibility in their health and mental wellness. But what I wanted this podcast to do is to shift it a little bit to not only just require that we take this personal responsibility, but also hold those around us too. You know, like we want to create safe environments, not just off of what we do, but also having a, creating a community where everyone is supporting that, that growth. So what is something that you would like to share with our listeners that they can do next or what, like some next steps for those who are like still new to this? Well, one, I always, I'm, I'm that person. I think everybody should go to therapy. Mm-hmm. So me too. A part of it is um, <laughs> right, right. So just as much as you do your your mental, your physical checkups when you go see um your um PCP, I would always recommend you do a mental health checkup. Okay. So like even if you let's say sometimes you just go got to start somewhere. 
Psychology Today or Therapy for Black Girls are like perfect places to, to begin your search, right? But also, if you talk to your PCP, you can also um, get good referrals from them as well, because all of us are a wealth of knowledge, and we typically have referrals for whatever it is. And even if we don't, we know who to get in contact with to get the referrals. Mm, okay. So that's one thing. But another big thing that I do, especially I work with predominantly um, Black women, um, and our practice serves black women. So we serve people, women of color, but we prioritize black women's mental health. That's what I like to say. And with that being the case, I always am stressing with my clients this idea of ditching superwoman. Mm. We all have that superwoman syndrome thinking I can do it all and I should do it all. And meanwhile, I'm drive, driving myself down to the ground, right? Yeah. Well, an activity that I always like to to do with my clients is you take a piece of paper, put it into four, put that little T in the middle. So it's four quadrants. And your first one, you say, what are my roles and my responsibilities? So you write down everything that you are obligated to do. Right. And then you in the next corner next to that, you say, what needs my attention? These are the things that, you know, you absolutely need to get to right then and there. Okay. Then that quadrant underneath the, my roles and responsibilities is thinking about what can I come back to? Because some things we stress ourselves out about that we absolutely don't have to, but because of perfectionism or prioritizing other people's anxieties, we're putting them on our what needs my attention when really there are things that we can get back to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the last quadrant, you're going to put not my problem. Girl, now, <laughs> I know about 10 listeners that need to do this right. You know, this was one of the questions, but I'm going to let you continue. Keep going. <laughs> you know what? Because a lot of times we'll be putting on other people's stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Other people's stuff. And in reality, that is not my problem. Mm-hmm. I remember my mom called me. I, mind you, I was on a date. So I did not hear my phone call. Okay. So <laughs> she called me 50 million times. I didn't know. So when the time I got to the car, I'm calling her back. She's fussing and, and complaining about stuff. And when I was listening to the things that she was talking about, I'm like, okay, so you fussing and you complaining and you upset. And there's not one thing I can do to fix any of the things that you're talking to me yeah. about. Yeah. So then it's kind of like when I told her that she was like, oh, well, it's yeah. Now, if you just wanted some somebody to vent to, that's one thing. I can be here with you to vent. But that's not my stuff. <laughs> and sometimes we've been letting people throw their stuff onto us. That that's your stuff. You take that back because I got enough. Typically, we all got enough on our plate. So by prioritizing what's not yours, you, it helps you to refocus on the things that does require your attention. Lauren, I think you just titled this episode. That's <laughs> not my stuff. I just wrote that in big letters. <laughs> oh God, I'm gonna actually email you because we have um, on our website. If you sign up for our uh, mailing list. This is the activity that actually comes when you download it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, yeah. I love this. You know, okay. So I'm me, actually going to send this to you as well. Okay, send it to me. So let me get this straight. The first one is, first, you have to get your mental health checkup like you do your physical checkup. Number yep. two is ditching Superwoman. And number mm-hmm. three is creating that quadrant, right? 
Yep. Girl, if you ain't just saying no gems, because I know about 10 listeners automatically that need to <laughs> stop. What is it? They need to. That's not my stuff. A lot of that's stuff that's is going on in their life. Because I think, and you know, one thing I will say, I am so happy. I've been seeing this a lot on social media where I've been seeing like the diminishing of this strong black woman narrative. I am so happy about this because I remember about three years ago, um, someone did something that really, really hurt me. And his reply was like, well, you're so strong. You will be fine. And I didn't want to be strong in that moment. I wanted to cry. I wanted to vent. I wanted to, you know, like I just did not want to be strong. And I'm so happy that we are getting rid of that narrative because we already know we're strong as women. Yeah. We know this already, right? But sometimes you don't want to be strong. Sometimes you want to be vulnerable. Sometimes you want to, mm-hmm. you know, like let me be, be weak calm. for a second. Yes. Yeah. Like I don't want to, yeah. you know, <laughs> this is so funny, but, and I'm glad going back to what you said about the Superman. Um, I was in the grocery store at Trader Joe's. My friends thought this story was so funny, but I was at Trader Joe's and it was an elderly man in the aisle. This other man cut him off and was like talking to someone else. The elderly man is like, excuse me, excuse me, trying to get around him. And I tell a guy, I'm like, hey, listen, you can't just cut this old man off. You see him trying to walk with his groceries. You just stopped in front of him. And the man was like, that's none of your business. What is it to you? So I'm like, no, but he's a little old man. Let him move with his cart. So everyone around me was like, oh, that's right. Stand up for that man. Like majority of people I told the story because it was hilarious. They were happy that I stood up for the man. But one of my cousins was like, cuz, we're not saving the day no more. You don't, that was, you didn't have to do that. Like, black women do not have to interject themselves on what's right all the time. Some stuff is going back to what you said. That's not my stuff. And I know, like, naturally, I come from a group of women like we all do who are strong, who are caring. I mean, we're running this country. We save the day all the time. So that's what we're taught to do. But some stuff is just not our stuff. Like, it's not. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? I think when it comes down to that whole strong black woman narrative, I think it was appropriate for back then Mm -hmm. because we had to. Mm -hmm. But as times change, we recognize how inhumane that saying was even to us back then. Talk about it. And it it created um, a false narrative that we were void of emotions, Mm -hmm. were void of being able to feel we're void of being able to to be vulnerable and to express ourselves in deep ways because we're being conditioned that you're strong you don't have to go through that Mm -hmm. then you got people that's walking around with these internalized feelings and then when we explode you want to label us as angry Angry. yep (laughs) yes and it's like well you conditioned us to believe that this was the case yeah and you know what even when some people because some people are can can re- redefine it for something that positive for them. And I think it goes back to, again, what are your boundaries of what you define a strong Black woman to be? Because mm-hmm. strength can also be seen in showing vulnerability. Yes. Strength yes. can also yes. be seen in being soft. Strength can also be seen as allowing myself to be strong enough to, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to without, and not care about your judgment. And that's mm-hmm. strength in that. And that's courage in that. So I think, you know, it goes back to one, how do you want to um, define that for yourself? Do you identify that with yourself? And do you want to be acknowledged in that vein? I, I am at that place where 
Um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm iffy. Sometimes I'm okay with being a strong black woman. Other times I'm like, I'm not, don't label me as that. So (laughs) just call me Lauren and we're good (laughs) because I think it's such a complicated relationship with it now. And the more that I feel like generations after our parents are starting to topple what we looked at as what stays and what happens in this house stays in my house. Mm-hmm. We're, we're changing the narrative so much. Like I remember like my family members and mind you, these are baby boomers. They are set in their ways, but they're reaching out to me like, well, do you think that, you know, this could be a form of trauma or, you know, I think I might need to see someone. And I'm like, yes, let's yes. go. Let's go. Yes. Let's go. Let's go. You got friends who need to see somebody. Yes. Let's, yes. let's go. Let's go. I think we're just now, and I, it's sad that 2020 had to be the year that broke us in that regard, mm-hmm. but it seems as though after 2020, there was this census w- within the black community specifically, like this no longer works for yeah. us. Yeah. This yeah. no longer works. Like all of, especially my friends who are black therapists, we were busting through the seams at one point in time with, with clients because mm-hmm. it's like, I remember I was so exhausted because anytime there was a need, I wanted to step in mm. because we, when we're finally breaking the stigma, you want to be there to, to show up for people, especially people who look like us, who actually want to get help. It's like, okay, we'll figure it out. Now, sometimes it was to our detriment because we're tired and exhausted, but then we only take up less than 4% in this whole mental health field. Wow. So when you think about that, it's like, how can we not show up for, yeah. for, for yeah. people who are looking for the help? Yeah. So, you know, that whole, oh, good God. I think we're redefining so many things and so many toxic um, conditionings that all of us have faced that now it's kind of like we're coming to a reckoning of just stuff that don't work no more for yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. I like and being that. okay with that. Yes, yes. I think that's a positive one thing that social media is providing is that it's creating a common ground so people can say, this is no longer okay. Like, well, yeah. I don't feel okay too. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a friend, I have a friend, he wrote a book about like his childhood and his journey. And when I read it, I was like, Sir, that was a horror story. Like I just it was like <laughs> it was like a it was a horror film to me because it was so much trauma that I didn't even know about him. And it's so much trauma that we simply internalize and just think it's um a rite of passage when it doesn't have to be. Like, you know, I don't know. So no, that's that's you know what? You just said something powerful because a lot of times I think we associate trauma as a normal thing when it doesn't have to be say that say that we don't like i think when we say like black girl magic or black boy joy it's like yeah because we want to be able just to live effortlessly Mm -hmm. like our counterparts do Mm -hmm. without being fearful without always having to be hyper vigilant and you know when we say black lives matter, it's like we matter just in everyday existence without being fearful all the time. Yes. Or avoiding certain things because we don't want it to put us in a depressive state. So true. So true. Wow. You know, we could take this not only just with like family ties, not only just our community, not only just with 
politics, not only just with uh, social injustice, but even with personal relationships, with oh, friendships yeah. and with dating relationships. This is like, this literally, the slogan from this is can literally be applied to all aspects of mm-hmm. our lives. Yeah. I would say too, I'm always big on the biggest relationship you can ever work on is the one with yourself. Mm. And typically the relationship you have with yourself is going to be re- um, projected in your relationships with other people. So, so the more you say, oh. that, say that again, I have a whole lot of say that again, but say that. Oh no, you're fine. <laughs> no, I was just saying like the relationship which you have with yourself it nine times out of 10 is going to show up in your relationships with others. Mm-hmm. Because if you are not showing love to yourself, if you are not taking very good care of yourself, Or, you know, um, how do I want to put it? If you're not showing up for yourself, sometimes in other relationships, you might find yourself overcompensating. Mm -hmm. And so some relationships, you might find yourself being a little bit more aggressive or mean. And that could be reflective of how you're treating yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, You may not have any room to give out grace to other people because you don't know how to give that to yourself. So again, it goes back to conditioning and the, and the way that our perspectives were were um, gradually built over time but your relationship with you will show up in your relationship with other people and sometimes when you really start to do your work when you're picking up on other people's energy it's kind of like mm, here's my boundary with you because I know what I'm working on over here and it doesn't match it mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. not shunning you but it's saying I'm protecting myself in this moment so I have a boundary with how far I'm going to allow you to go with me in that regard until I see some improvement. You know, you say boundaries a lot, and I'm so happy that you're touching on that because it's so, so powerful. I think that was one of the hardest things for me to ever learn. And it really, I really didn't learn it until I moved to another state. <laughs> but yeah. having not just boundaries with other people, because of course it's easier when you're somewhere else, but like me learning to have boundaries with other people like, okay, I can't talk from this time to this time or, hey, mm-hmm. yeah, I won't be able to attend that um, from having that to even with myself because I'm out here by myself. So I have to have those same boundaries myself. Like, hey, China, no, at this time you do have to go to bed. Okay. Hey, China, at this time, you know, so this you're so yeah. right. And like how we treat ourselves um, is genuinely a great reflection of how, you know, other people treat us as well. Like, mm-hmm. You know, in one of the earlier episodes, I mentioned like romanticizing your life, right? Just like this was like a Valentine's Day episode. And I think it's so essential when we get into the habit, like you said, taking care of yourself. It really, you really only are going to expect that from things around you. So, and that's in company, that's in your job, that's in like the relationships you have. So, oh my goodness. This was so good, Lauren. This is really, this was a really good conversation. So I actually, you said this already, but maybe we could go over it again. So at the end of every episode, we have a soul star tip. And these are practices and exercises our listeners can incorporate immediately after hearing this interview. So I do think the quadrant one was a really good one, but so... What advice would you have if you could go back over that and then tell them like next steps after they complete it? Like what should they be doing next? I think the biggest thing is when you're seeing something that works for you, 
incorporate it into your everyday life. I think one of the things that we think is that, well, I did this one time, I should be good. No, it's a daily conscious choice. Mm. So just like we have, like, if you notice our everyday morning routines, like I'm sure we all have them, get up in the morning, check our phone, turn off the alarm, go use the bathroom, brush our teeth. That is so routine Mm -hmm. for us. When you're finding something that generates back into your relationship with yourself, incorporate that into your routine as though it is just a daily functioning. So true. So that way it's not something you have to second guess about it. It comes automatic to you. So when you're taking in account what all is required of me, what energy I have to give, how much of that do I give to other people, or do I need to put boundaries? Because you're getting to know yourself on such a deeper level, those things come automatic to you. You don't have to think about it. It's going to come second nature. You know, that is so true. I, I You are really preaching the word today because sometimes when you tell people to do something for yourself, they think of it as a big to-do when it's literally something you can do in minutes or seconds that can just become a routine. Yep. Um I had a friend call me after the last podcast. She was like, you know what? She works hard. She's a mother. She's like, I really just have to make time to do something for myself. And I'm thinking the same way we do go to our job every day, the same way we can yep. do something for ourselves daily as a routine. Um, mm-hmm. And it definitely sets the tone. I try to do five things I'm grateful for every morning. If I go out of town, that book is coming with me. But that book I open up every morning. And it's the smallest thing, Lauren. I might be thanking God one day for YouTube. I might be thanking him that um, my car had heat. I might be thinking of a funny meme I saw, whatever. But I yep. literally try to say five things every morning, no matter what. And it's come to the point where, like, uh, one of my friends, she stayed over. She's like, oh, you going to do your five things? Like, it's just a common knowledge that China's going to do her five things every morning. Yep. So, yep. and it takes me, what, two minutes to write it out? So... I wake up, so now I'm trying to get in the habit of at least 10, 30 minutes of just whatever whatever it feels good to me in the moment. So okay. I might listen to something funny because I love to laugh. <laughs> uh, I might do a meditation. But every t- time I wake up and I'm like good and woke and I say, thank you, God. And then it was like, all right, now let's go into what do, what do I need for this first 30 minutes to an hour, right? Um, but that's like my new routine because I'm, I was notorious for Let's just wake up and start working. Mm-hmm. It's like, absolutely not. So now it's just being more intentional and I struggle with it. Cause some days I'll be like, all right, I'm feeling it. Other days I'm not, but it's like, I'm trying to get it into a routine where at least the first hour of the day is mine. I love that. And it's, I'm like smiling because it sounds so exciting. It's like a little trick for you. Like, every I morning, know you get to go, oh, what am I going to do for Like, that is a treat. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah. That's that. We're working on it, girl. We ain't perfected it yet. We're just working on and it. And that's but... the good thing, though. We're not. Yeah. Like, perfection is not, you know, just progress is. So. Oh, yeah. <gasps> oh, we have a t shirt that says that. Striving <laughs> for progression, not perfection. Hey, I, I used to tell that to all my marketing clients. And they're like, no, but wait, I'm not ready to launch. I'm like, come on now. We got yep. progression, not perfection. You got to start somewhere. Let's go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Can you share with everyone? So everyone has the soul star tip that I hope to see everyone implement. 
Um, watch me get so many calls after this because definitely you dropped some serious gems tonight. Can you provide everyone just like your social media handle so they can look you up as well as like your website for Cultivate Your Essence? For sure. So if you want to fa um, follow the practice on all social media sites, um, it's just Cultivate Your Essence the way that it sounds and the way that the actual spelling is, nothing fancy. Cultivate your essence. And then if you want to follow me personally, I'm on everything for look out for Lauren and that's on Instagram, Facebook. Um, and we're going to be starting YouTube soon and a podcast. Soon, oh, so. go ahead. They're going to be looking out for you. <laughs> you know, what's the funny thing. So I've been really recognizing that my time as a therapist after COVID, I think it's starting to dwindle down, but that's why I have a practice full of amazing therapists. Mm -hmm. But what I really want to work with is just like therapists. And so the podcast that's going to be launching later this day, um, this, this year is called Confessions of a Therapist. Mm -hmm. And it just talks mm -hmm. about the different things that we as therapists are going through that are typically taboo and we don't share with anybody else. Um, but we need those spaces too. Yes, so um, that is such a good idea. Yeah. You know, safe spaces where you can get on there and vent and say, okay, this is what's going on with me. Like, girl, yep. that's, a, that's amazing. Okay, okay. So that's going to be launching soon. Um, And my web personal website, Look Out for Lauren, that'll be launching at the end of Women's History Month. So um, just in other ways of learning how to work with me um, in consulting realms or um, hooking you up with counseling services and things of that nature as well. So, you know, we got a lot going on over here, but we are definitely still taking new clients at the practice. So you can go on www.cultivateyouressence.com. Um, for we were located in Chicago, but we do see clients out of the state as well. They just have to pay out of pocket because of insurance purposes. Okay. So, um, we also provide sliding scale, fees to those who may not be able to afford it. And those are definitely on limited basis. Um, but we try to look out for everybody who comes in to seek services. And just because we are dedicated to women, men, if you do find yourself reaching out, we won't turn you down for services either. Good. Okay. Big things is popping, sis. <laughs> it's so hard to like do an interview with someone who you know and you watch this stuff and then like now watching yeah. like, I'm like over here Ooh. and they're like proud system moment. Like I'm so yeah. <laughs> we've been we we've been through it. I swear we grew up right together yes. in this business field yes. together. Yes, and adding yes. and reinventing. Um yes. oh my gosh, this is so great. Well, I appreciate you so much. And I think I don't tell you enough, but I really do appreciate you. And I definitely know that our listeners are going to appreciate this podcast tonight. And we might have to have you come back again or something, because I feel like everybody's going to be rocking out with this quadrant <laughs> and ready for what's next, which is good that you provide your information because they can reach out to you directly as well. For so, sure. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in to Soul by the Pound podcast. Um, episode four, and we thank you, Lauren, for joining us. And stay tuned every other Saturday, bi weekly podcast giving you the best in health and mental wellness. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>